0: Hello everyone. Conservation easements is the topic for today's episode on organics impact. A conservation easement is a tool that can be used by a landowner to ensure their property is farmed using organic standards for both now and into the future. These conservation easements are voluntary legal agreements that permanently limit the use of land in order to protect its conservation values for future generations. To clarify the topic of conservation easements, I have with me today, Chris Eddy. Chris is a realtor for Community Insurance Agency in Coon Rapids, Iowa. Chris recently drafted and completed a conservation easement on a 2,000 acre farm in Iowa.
1: Welcome to Organics Unpacked, a podcast for the business-minded organic grower, an interview podcast where we hear from the top experts in the commercial organic industry. With a focus on the business elements of organic growing, both in and out of the field, you will gain insight and grow your operation. This show is brought to you ad-free by Ave Organics, a Wilbur Ellis company. To learn more about Ave Organics, visit our program notes. In the meantime, enjoy the show.
0: Chris, recently, um, I, I understand that you just uh, drafted and uh, implemented conservation easement on a two thousand acre farm. Tell us about that.
2: Uh, yeah, we uh, we worked with the Garst family quite a bit. Um, back in May of two thousand twenty-one, they came to me and 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 proposed uh, the idea of, of selling off the last productive acres that um, that they that they held. Uh, but wanted to do so with uh, a conservation easement in place. Uh, Specifically, the Garsts wanted to target soil health, um, increasing organic matter, uh, no-till, cover crops, the things that they've been doing for years. Um, And they felt that this was was an um, an important aspect to emphasize going forward and wanted to protect the land um, with a permanent easement uh, before it was transferred to the new owners.
0: Okay, so Chris, this this term uh, conservation easements that we're using, do you know how long conservation easements have been around? Do you know the background of them? I
2: I, I learned quite a bit through this process, to be honest with you. There's, you know, I understand that easements have existed uh, in history for for all kinds of purposes, um, and and for for a long time. It's not a new concept, Tom, uh, as you well know. And, and um, you know, the fact that you can protect land with a conservation easement uh, has been going on for quite some time, but maybe it's just not as well known um, to, the, to the public as, as what it should be.
0: Yeah. So how does a conservation easement work? So I assume you always, in any agreement, you have two parties. You have a landowner that Has wants to make an agreement for some purpose then you have another party that holds the agreement and enforces it is that is that right is that how it works
2: that's exactly right so what happened uh, with the instance in the GARS was that they owned the land um, drafted an easement specifically targeted targeted towards uh, the purpose they wanted to emphasize and then uh, granted that easement Uh, to uh, a land trust that's in charge of monitoring the easement forever. Uh, In this case, it was White Rock Conservancy of Coon Rapids. Um, And so along with that, uh, the owners who are the GARST provide a donation to offset the cost of of enforcement and monitoring of that easement uh, for the life of the easement.
0: Okay. So they wanted to make sure that their farm was farmed now and into the future and protecting soil health. And so they set up certain criteria in this conservation easement that they said needed to be followed. Is that that, right?
2: Is that that's right? exactly right. Specifically okay. um, specifically prohibiting tillage, uh, you know, traditional farming, um, you know, what we were used to 30 years ago where you plow and disc and harrow and, and plant. Um, th- those concepts uh, we're realizing are, re- resulted in quite a bit of soil loss and our and detriment to the productivity of our land. And with no-till concepts and cover crops, um, you know, the, the main focus of the Garst easement was continuous living roots um, to, to establish, uh, you know, a glue for the soil to hold it in place so that it doesn't go anywhere.
0: So uh, again, they wanted to make sure that there are certain practices that were followed and uh, they were able to write this into the easement. So are these easements, are they generally set up when somebody wants to sell their farm or are they set up prior to that where somebody just says, you know, if I, you know, die and my heirs inherit this, I want to make sure it's farmed in a certain way or how do they typically get set up?
2: That's a that's a really good question, Tom. You know, in this case, um, the, the Garst easement was set up to where it was in force the same day that we transferred to the new owners. So the Garst granted the easement to White Rock and then deeded the land to the new owners. However, uh, in, a, in, a, in a perfect world, they would have done this several years prior to selling. Okay. They would have had this easement in place. Um, operationally uh, and, and set up well before they they transferred the land so so to answer your question no it can be done at any time okay. and in fact it's probably best to do it when the owner that that created the easement and had the idea to put it on the land uh, is still operating the land
0: okay so in the in the uh, kind of i think this respect the guards for farming certain practices they were doing it. They didn't necessarily need an agreement because it was under their control. Uh, but when they went to sell the land, they wanted to ensure the land would be continued to farm kind of in the same aspect and protected. And so they stepped in and put in a conservation easement.
2: Well, they did. And they had they had large tracts um, that, that had been... Uh, well, all of these tracts had significant conservation structures already on them. Wide waterways, terracing, um, tiling—you know the, the structures that were put in place um, have been designed over forty plus years, uh-huh. and so a, another emphasis of this was that those structures would remain. Uh, you know, the fir- at first glance, uh, a new farmer would look at those waterways and say, "I want to take them out right. because I can I can add more acres." You know, for instance, one of the tracks was was a section and a half. So over 900 acres and uh, of that there was 120 acres of just waterway so pretty easy for the new owner to come in there and say i'm going to skinny those terraces up from 100 feet to 60 or 80 feet um, and add a add quite a few acres uh-huh. however that's prohibited by the easement you know okay. the, the, ter- the waterways are there for a reason
0: okay So uh, I think the reason that um, you're on as a guest today is that conservation easements can be used for a lot of different things, not just soil health. But for instance, if if you have a landowner that has a farm and they want to ensure that it's farmed under organic standards into the future, can you write a conservation easement to do that?
2: I believe so. You have to establish legal purpose. Which is the you know the the basis for the easement? You know, is is there a, if the if the easement is ever challenged in court, if the new owner says that that this uh, the the provisions in this easement are ridiculous and I'm not following them, what's what's the what's your basis for enforcement? And so if if you can't go to court and have a judge rule in your favor, then you your easement is worthless. Uh-huh. So you have to make sure that it's it's written based on 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 legal principle um, that that would be enforceable in a court of law.
0: Right. So if somebody has um, an easement written and says we're going to follow USDA organic standards because it's I believe it's good, it's healthy, it's the right way to farm, uh, that would likely be an enforceable easement.
2: Right. We've we've uh, we've certainly you know the state has. Uh, um, emphasized uh, water quality initiatives. Uh, you know, um, certainly soil conservation. Um, you know, there, there's there's several conservation principles now that are that are recognized, enforced, and, and and uh, could certainly be the basis for uh, an easement going forward.
0: Okay, so if I'm a landowner and I put an easement on my farm, whether that's for soil health, organic farming, whatever it is. And I go to sell my land. Um, the next person that buys my land, this this easement, of course, it's a permanent easement. They're impacted by it. Do I generally think that as a landowner selling land, maybe there will be a reduction in value on my land if I if I sell with an easement on it?
2: That's the uh, that that's a, another really good question because. In the Garst sale, I think that we we decided the there there was a, a reduction in the value. Um, all, however, the, the, the land values were very very good. Um, we're also selling into one of the hottest markets that has has ever existed. Um, but I think just because of the the idea of a concept of an easement on uh, row crop ground is probably relatively new. But the owner could expect a discount, um, anywhere from ten to fifteen percent, I would guess.
0: Right, and I would assume that it depends on what's the easement and where you are. For instance, if it if it is organic farming and you're in an area where there's few organic farmers, you would probably expect there would be less interest in buying the land because you have to farm it organically. Um, but if you're in an area maybe where there's a lot of organic farmers and that's what would be expected out of the land, maybe there would be less of a of a hit on the land. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and two, as as the concept becomes more familiar, um, you know, as as a realtor, I would think that we have um, we have opportunities for buyers, uh, whether it be you know carbon credits. Uh, it, it, that's an evolving market. Um, there, there could be benefits on your crop insurance um, to, to continuing some of these practices. Uh, we're already seeing cover crop subsidies uh, be applied at the state and federal level on crop insurance. So I guess my my hope is that in the future, there's a pool of buyers that look for properties with with easements on them. Uh, because they know that they've been well cared for and and that provides added value to them, okay um,
0: so if, if Chris, if I'm a landowner and uh, this seems like a a bit of a complicated process, but if I'm a landowner and I want to put a permanent easement on my land, how do I even start the process?
2: You know, it starts with a good attorney okay and and uh, you know the 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 firm we the firm that the garst used was, was out of uh, Cedar Rapids, uh, and they've done several of these in the past. Um, but then also consultation with, uh, with one of the land trusts that monitors easements uh, to ask maybe what the, what the existing uh, easement principles provide. You know, Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation manages uh, well over 200 easements um, and is very well versed in, in the language of the easement, the monitoring uh, program, and, and what it takes to, to do this. Um, White Rock Conservancy is setting up that program. Uh, silt uh, is is another uh, land trust in the state of Iowa that monitors easements. Um, you know there's not very many, um, but but they would certainly be a good reference for how to get started and what to do.
0: So I assume that these um, these organizations that hold and monitor the easements, there has to be something in it for them. Right, they have to they have to be motivated by conservation to kind of go through this process because it's an ongoing kind of burden, if you will, for them.
2: Absolutely, and and it's uh, as as you get bigger, it's a staff position or two or more to, to be able to go through this process and and accept the easements. Uh, there's certainly um, you know documentation and a responsibility. Uh, that goes along with accepting these and uh you know there, there's income from the landowner uh, when when you take these on there's a there's a donation to these organizations uh to fund it but then that's the life of the easement which is you know that's that's a long time it's going to outlive all of us right 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 so
0: so if i am selling a piece of land knowingly that i put a conservation easement on and what that is and i sell it to another person since it is a permanent easement, they're obligated to follow the easement, right? Yes. Okay. And so um, I, I've heard people say, well, I will just buy the land and I'll get a good an attorney and we'll fight the easement and we'll get it you know, dropped or negated or whatever. Is that the case? Are these permanent easements really pretty, pretty tight?
2: I I think it, you know, again, it goes back to uh, when you, when you draft the easement, when, when you hire someone to, to put this together for you, you need somebody that's very knowledgeable in what they're doing Um, because you should go into it with the expectation that it will get challenged someday. Um, In in the instance of the Garst family, uh, that, that was certainly a conversation topic is what if, what if they don't comply? And so Per the terms of the easement, you know, first one is notification that you're out of compliance. You know, the second one would be but arbitration, and then the third step would be would be court. And I don't think anyone wants to go to court over this, right? Um, but land trusts that monitor easements are also able to buy litigation insurance. And so there's there's a nationwide there's a group of land trusts that has helped uh, create an insurance policy. Uh, that that helps provide defense costs uh, or litigation costs for for them to enforce easements. Uh, so there is there is a, a nationwide network of groups that are doing this uh, that believe in the purpose that that um, that want to see that these things succeed. Uh, so there's definitely uh, a support um, from the conservation community to to make sure that this is a successful program.
0: All right, so. As a a landowner, if I'm going to put a conservation easement on it, I better make sure I get it right. Like, don't don't do it myself. I better make sure if I'm serious about putting conservation easement on it, I better make sure I do it right. Because I don't want it to go to court and end up being turned over and all the things that, you know, if I sold my land for a discount or whatever, I don't want that all to be turned over. But as a landowner, if I'm going to... A future landowner if I want to buy a piece I better buy it with the understanding that like whatever's in the conservation easement is probably going to stick and I'm not going to be able to say well I'll buy it today and beat the conservation easement tomorrow and just do whatever I want is that is that fair to say is that a good way of kind of looking at a conservation easement
2: I think so. I mean, I, I believe that you could wrap up, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of time and effort and certainly money in, in fighting an easement. And if you, were, if you were the landowner trying to break the easement, uh, you could be on the hook for the, for the defense costs of the organization that's monitoring it too. So, you know, it, it, could, be, it could be fairly substantial if you fight and lose. Um, you know, one thing that the easements are careful not to do is specify what the penalty is, because you don't know what the violation is going to be either, and so b- by and large, the, the the penalty will be determined by by the by the court or by the judge um, hearing the case, and should be commensurate with the uh, with the violation. You know, in most cases, uh, you know, the solution is to put it back. You know, I mean, the damage has already been done. You know, in in the in the case of the of the soil health easements, what if they go out and till? What if they go out and out and plow it? Well, the damage to the soil structure has already been done. Right. And the 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 solution then is for the landowner to stop doing it and put it back. Okay. You know, is there is there a monetary? Is there a punitive damage? Who who knows? It'll depend on the length of the violation, I suppose. Okay. But.
0: Right. So typically, uh, Chris, in these uh, permanent easements, is there any kind of wiggle room to change? So in in your experience, like there is an easement written up, it says what you can do and what you can't do, what practice you have to keep in place, what practice you have to implement. Is there generally is it like this is exactly how it is or is there like some negotiation? between a future landowner and the conservation holder, kind of that non-government organization in what can change on that land. I mean, cause we don't know what's gonna happen in 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years.
2: That's exactly right. I think an easement has to be written with flexibility, um, you know, because we, we, we know what we know right now, um, which is more than we did 10 years ago. Uh, presumably 10 years from now, we're gonna be a lot better uh, than we are today. And the equipment will be better. And we'll understand more about, um, you know, soil structure and microbial activity and and all the things that, um, th- that we don't have a, a good understanding of now. So if an easement's written without flexibility, I don't think it's a good easement.
0: Okay. So if there is, for instance, let's just say on the soil health when you're working with, uh, if there's a way as I buy the land, I have the easement on me. If there is a way into the future that I can improve soil health in a different way, um, the the governing body that's overseeing the easement might say, yeah, you can do this and maybe you don't have to do this anymore. There, there might be some give and take, but that would have to be a mutual agreement.
2: It, it would. Um, we've already had requests for changes. Um, I happen to be on the board of directors for White Rock Conservancy too, so I'm helping. I'm on, you know, I'm on the side that's helping monitor this. And um, we've already had requests for changes from landowners. Uh, they come in written form. Uh, there's some low-level uh, requests that can be approved in the field, uh, but for major structural changes or, or maybe changes to, to terraces or practices or things that are already in place, that goes to a board of directors uh, for a larger discussion.
0: Okay. Uh, so back to the legal aspects, Chris, if somebody challenges the, um, the status of the agreement, right? So I, I buy the land knowing there's a permanent easement on it, but I challenge it. Do I challenge it in the state or in the federal courts? Like where is the easement held and where is the kind of the legislation originate from?
2: Uh, the the easement that it's my understanding is written based on state law, okay. state precedent. So it'd be it'd be it would start in district court. Uh, you know, I'm sure if it if it went through, um, you know, several appeals and challenges and things like that, um, it would graduate through the the legal process. But I it it would start in our local court system.
0: Okay, so conservation easements are a state regulated thing not necessarily a federal regulated that's correct okay all right yep all right so that that's really helpful because i think it's important for people to know even when they're getting uh legal help kind of what what the status is and where they need to start so that that's that's helpful so what other things can be put under um a permanent easement. I know you worked with the soil health one and it's kind of soil conservation. We've talked about organic farming. Um, I think there's also certain like maybe I'm gonna keep it in grass and vegetation and never right. grow crop it or kind of what are some of the other parameters uh, permanent easements could have?
2: Well, any, any land that's uh, uh, fragile, uh, highly erodible land, wetlands, um, you know, certainly uh, uh, rare rare groves of trees or, or structures that, um, that are, you know, that, that are, you know, used to be populated and, and are no longer, you know, here in Iowa. Um, there could be several different purposes to, to protect what, what's a valuable natural resource.
0: Okay. All right. Well, Chris, your your insight has been helpful, um, and I appreciate it. Um, But if somebody is interested in doing a a permanent easement, um, are you a resource? I mean, what are the resources where they could call and and get a start and get some help? Uh,
2: I'd go back to, I'd contact Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation. Um, they're a very good resource, uh, White Rock Conservancy of Coon Rapids. Um, the attorney that that we used was Paul Morf uh, from Simmons and in, in uh, Cedar Rapids. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, Liz, Liz Garst is happy to talk about easements. Uh, she's very well versed in, in these things and, and has made it uh, her mission to speak on behalf of conservation topics and protecting Um, our our most valuable resource, which is the land.
0: Okay. And so I would assume that uh, depending on where people are, um, it's state specific. So they would need to identify kind of their resources in their state. It would be easy for the people you mentioned talk about conservation easements in Iowa, but depending on where people are around the United States, they would have to identify maybe resources in their area.
2: Yes, absolutely. And they would have to identify the, the principles that have been emphasized by their state and the, the protections provided by the laws of their state. Yeah,
0: and I, I do know that, um, you know, the Nature Conservancy is an organization mm-hmm. who has done a lot of work on permanent easements and they are a national organization. So that also might be, especially where there is conservation value, uh, they might be a really good starting point for a conversation too. Uh, as a national organization,
2: absolutely. You know, I think that landowners like the idea of this, and 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 to your point, they just don't know who to contact. Um, and and you know, we're we're at a we're at a stage in, in Iowa for sure for sure that you know, there, there's a lot of absentee landowners. Um, you know, they they've owned this land in their family for years and years. Uh, they may have moved to the city or they no longer farm it. Um, but they want to see it protected. They don't want to see it um, damaged or destroyed in the future. And so uh, I, th- I think it's a concept that's going to gain in popularity and momentum um, going forward.
0: Yeah, I do think that's a really good point is that, you know, um, for instance, my dad, as he thought about passing on land, he wanted to make sure it was farmed under conservation. And as you pass it to the future generation, especially if they're not connected with the farm, they may not know right from wrong. And it's easy to kind of get a a tenant or an operator that says, oh yeah, go ahead and do this, it will be fine. And if you're not kind of embedded in that agricultural system, you don't always know what's good or bad, like maybe your parents did. And so by putting a conservation easement on, I think it might be a way of helping the next generation kind of navigate uh, good conservation practices and make sure that land stays sustainable.
2: I think you're exactly right. You know, the, the concept before used to be that you 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 lived on the farm, you, you retired, and you either farmed 50-50 with your neighbor in a rental situation, or you sold to, to somebody that was adjacent to you, but you had an idea of what farming was. And you know, now that we're two and three generations removed from that, you're exactly right, Tom. There's there's a huge group of landowners that that don't understand agriculture, um, that aren't connected to the land, but have one of the you know the most valuable resources in our state, um, and and it does need to be protected. And you know, by by and large, I think operators do a good job, um, but they also shouldn't be afraid of of putting some of these restrictions in writing and and protecting exactly what they're doing right now uh, for years to come.
0: Right. Yeah. And I know the community of organic farmers believe very strongly in the value of organics. And, you know, they've went through the process of getting their land, you know, that kind of that three-year process, getting it organically certified. And if they want to see that into the future, I think a conservation easement is really a a good thing to look at. I mean, you need to go into with open eyes, you need to understand what you're signing up for. You need to understand, you know, are there people around that want to farm it after you're gone, farm it in an organic way. And if there are, then I think maybe looking at an easement is is a, a really positive thing. So well,
2: and I th- I think with organic farming, too, you know, we so so this is a, a different topic, but we, we talk about how, you know, how, how does the next generation come into farming? Because yep. right, right now, we're at, uh, you know, land values are at an all-time high. It takes a lot of money to get into farming. Um, if you're farming organically, uh, your revenue per acre is higher. You get more out of your crop. Um, you're using smaller equipment. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of a throwback to the way we farmed uh, 30 years ago. But I think it does provide opportunities for young farmers uh, to be able to come in um, make a living on a smaller amount of acres because revenues are higher. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a good way for for landowners to to pass their, their land on to a generation that's going to take care of it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good thought is that if you as a landowner want to help a new farmer, uh, probably looking at some organic farming and passing it on uh, so that it has to be farmed under organic standards might be a really good way to think about that.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Because how else are we gonna get the next generation involved? Yes, I agree, Chris. So okay.
0: so Chris, thanks again. Um, Chris is a realtor um, for, for community insurance in Coon Rapids, Iowa. Chris, I appreciate your, you uh, helping us out, understand conservation easements and good luck with uh, the one on the Garst Farm. I know it's made a lot of national attention. It was a really big one and uh, i think they really did the right thing but i think it really has shown i think other landowners that uh, there is an option out there for permanent easement you can decide what you want in your permanent easement it doesn't have to be soil health It could be organics could be you know maintaining uh, like you said a a certain ecosystem in an area um, whether that's wetlands or savannas or whatever but uh, permanent easements are out there. There are some. The last thing, though, there are some tax benefits too, right?
2: Um, yeah, I didn't get as much involved in the tax side of things, uh, but certainly, uh, you know, it's my understanding that, you know, it's it's possible the deduction that you take on the land, um, you know, if you sell for a ten percent discount, that could possibly be tax deductible. Um, You know, those are things that that a a good CPA would be able to advise you on but 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 definitely there are, there are some potentials there to to save money on taxes.
0: Yeah, And I think of all tax issues it's state dependent and time dependent like when you put it in there I know that tax laws change from time to time and sometimes there's more emphasis on encouraging permanent easements or less so. But like you said, I think it would be a really good thing to for people to contact their CPA and that ought to be a part of their decision making process.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's exciting. I think it's a, a new concept concept that's gaining steam. And, um, you know, certainly there, there's a lot more conversation about it um, today than there was even even two years ago. And um, I'm excited to see what the future holds.
0: All right. Thanks again, Chris. I appreciate your time.
2: Thanks for the conversation, Tom
1: thank you for listening to Organics Unpacked. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and giving this show a five-star rating and review so we can continue to help organic growers improve their operations.